0: It's even more eyes. <laughs>
1: welcome back.
0: <coughs> what is this? Eight, episode 86?
1: It's should eight, and Somehow, I, like every time, it feels weird every time. Um, welcome back to Even More Eyes. We are going to be discussing Studio Ghibli's most recent release, The Boy and the Heron. Now, this film came out late last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in cinemas it was still showing up early this year. It was Yeah. Meant to be a Christmas movie of sorts, um, because <laughs> Ghibli is just basically Japan's Disney, but you know, with more taste. <laughs> now that shade. Anyway.
0: Yeah. See, see our views on that episode one to
1: five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's basically how this podcast started, which is insane because, like. And it's like we've come so far from where we started because mm-hmm. we started with Disney bullshit and now we're on to things that actually make sense. So <sighs> The Boy and the Heron. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know who wants to give a synopsis of this film because it was... I have thoughts, which is all I have to say, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to pass the mic over to you because this is normally the part where you come in. And anyway, take it away.
0: <laughs> so um, I think this is set in japan after world war Two, now the name of the protagonist is mahito i think and he's a young boy who loses his mother in a hospital fire the right at the beginning of the film and so he moves uh, to the countryside uh, to live with his father and his father has he has a new wife um, which actually is his aunt though it's the sister of the mother not of the father obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> and- <laughs> Anyway, so he, he finds it quite difficult in this house and in this new sort of scenario, in a very rural location, it's very isolated. Um, he's bullied at school, he doesn't find it easy settling in there. And in the grounds of this house are a is a tower which is surrounded with mystery. And then one day something quite strange takes place where a grey heron. Uh, starts speaking to the boy and starts taunting him to basically go to the tower. And once he goes to the tower, it's then that the adventures begin to take place. That's Mm. at least, I think, as far as I want to go. And from what I can remember, (laughs) the beginning of the boy and the heron.
1: That basically is the premise for how the whole thing starts. Mm. And I think this is kind of where, like, breaking down the themes of Ghibli comes in because they mm. do have a lot of this stuff coming through in general. if you look mm-hmm. into Ghibli's history which we have an, an episode on Ghibli in many ways especially if you start from like old Ghibli stuff like My Neighbor Totoro. this whole idea of moving off to the countryside and um, ailing but um, absent parents and what that means in terms of like readjustment and childhood and all that I mean that's like a theme that I can say is like already has a Precedence in Miyazaki's work, and so Mm -hmm. seeing it again in this film was kind of like, Oh, I kind of know, at least I feel some sort of strange familiarity to this concept, or also like even the idea of a boy moving off to the countryside for some reason, which Mm -hmm. was again Mm -hmm. captured in something like M. Mm Arietti. So, we have seen this like elements of this theme before, and there's always this thing about how Ghibli films try to almost explore a very human emotion, but with a bit of, like, fantasy insanity that goes into it, which, of course, this film has in spades. So let's go into actually reviewing this film, because The Boy and the Heron, for me, felt like a weird fucking fever dream. (laughs) Because half the time when I was watching the film, I was just like, bitch, what the fuck? Like, that that was... (laughs) Like, I wish... I wish I could express it in any other way, but that's literally all that was going through my mouth. Just like, what the fuck is actually happening? Like mm. the character himself seems kind of like in a weird sort of existential headspace where you get this sense that he's only halfway in touch with what is happening yes. and around yeah. him. To yeah. so the point that it creates very strange conversational moments and dynamics throughout the course of the film that makes me go boy are you okay like you are clearly not <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. like okay like l- let me give you like a classic example so the first time the fire even happens he's running towards the fire to rescue his mom oh like i'm just like what is he doing like is he mm. i get that you're concerned about your mom but running into a fire that has essentially set the entire town ablaze Seems a little unhinged, especially considering the actual sense of danger. But there's also something about the way that scene is even like portrayed where it just is like colors are swirling into each other. And there's a sort of sense of mania Mm -hmm. about it where the character just seems kind of disoriented or there's something Mm -hmm. very disorienting Mm -hmm. about that entire scene. And then, you know, he just moves off to the countryside and meets this lady who looks like his mom. Mm. And his dad is obviously working in like an airplane manufacturing plant or something. And he, of course, is like a big businessman in Tokyo or or, or whatever. And the boy just lives in this house with like seven old grannies that just exist for some reason and are all like (laughs) just trying to get a cigarette. Um, And (laughs) it's, 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 it's true. it's so strange how like everything about the setting and the environment that this character is thrust into is just so left field you know Mm. it's just so like what because he just seems to be going along with whatever is happening around him which of course is normal because it's not really his fault they're kind of displaced they moved off to the countryside the dad has a job there he's meeting this, his new stepmom, who is actually his like aunt at the same time, but his aunt is also pregnant with what's going to be like his brother, cousin, mm. I guess. Um, mm. And while all of this stuff is going on, this boy just has this like vendetta against this heron <laughs> for reasons that I don't fully understand. Like, it's just like, I, I don't even know. Like there, there's just so much about how the interaction between the boy and the heron felt completely surreal. Mm. Like I don't know how to explain it. There's just something very unnerving about the progression of the plot. Like the the reason why it is so weird is like, it's not like, let's say Princess Mononoke where like magical entities are already part of the world that Mm -hmm. they live in. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if the character from Spirited Away had the mindset of the character from Princess Mononoke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it very strange. Yes. Because it's very clearly a boy from a normal world being thrust into this surreal, strange universe, but he doesn't question anything about the universe and just sort of, like, rolls with it. Like, of course, this is meant to be happening. Of Mm. course, this Heron is supposed to be talking to me. Mm. Like, of Mm. course, it makes perfect sense to go into this grand library in the middle of this thing that looked like an abandoned building and go off into some, like, dreamscape world where stuff is just happening and he's just going with it. Like, that's that's how I felt about the entire film. Like the the Mm. whole time I was just like, what the hell is happening? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I the one who is living in this constant state of discombobulation (laughs) while this boy is just like riding the wave? Like nothing is happening. Like what the fuck? Mm. (laughs) But I don't know how you felt about it, but that was just like the, the strongest sense I got from watching the boy and the heron were just like, honestly, what the fuck?
0: Like, I think after the film, I dubbed it either, the boy and the heroine, or the boy on heroine. I just, I I think, like yourself, I wasn't really sure what to think at the end. I actually, in in its credit, or to its credit, I think that all I can say is that each scene becomes more visually arresting and there are some quite there are some quite striking moments in the film like the scene where i think he is it he finds the mother or the sister or something like that and she's surrounded by the pieces of paper yes um, uh, even the beginning of the film that you mentioned actually is incredibly powerful and when we yeah. talked about you know in the episode we talked about princess mononoke and the start of that is incredibly ominous and violent now this obviously is happening in the real world where usually yes at the beginning of the film, the settings are quite peaceful. You know, Miyazaki's Mm. often begun in in the real world in a certain state, and then it moves into being more uh, weird and disorienting, whether it's Spirited Away or um, My Neighbor Totoro, you know. I think with this, as it progressed, and as you said, it became stranger and stranger and stranger, I think it became very difficult to hold on to the character's journey because even yeah. if you take something like Spirited Away which which shares a lot with this is a character that's moving to the countryside she ends up in this weird world and there's a sense of strength to the character she begins as this whiny brat and ends up maturing across the film. She calms mm. down, and she, you know, realises she's not the centre of the world and all this stuff. With this character, I really wasn't sure. I'm not quite sure what he really represented in the journey <laughs> he went through. And I, and I think you have articulated well the idea that actually he doesn't really respond. You know, is it just that he's totally lonely, and therefore he he responds to a sense of the magical or whatever? And then it wasn't really sure what the beef with the heron was other than the, herald, yes. the heron was just really, you know, rude and obnoxious, and then what's that meant to represent? Because clearly Miyazaki's yeah. dealing with, you know, as usual, with particular symbols, particular yeah. um, imagery, but I'm just not really sure what it was meant to stand in for. And it just becomes more difficult as it goes on. I mean, my partner, we went to see it, and my partner fell asleep, and I was really, <laughs> really struggling. I have to be honest, it was, it was not... A very, (laughs) I I don't, like you said, it was, you're not really sure what you're meant to hold on to. And you're just watching these characters, more and more of these characters go through one really, you know, well-designed artistic fresco after the next. Yes. and when you then start thinking about the parrot people and I can't even remember some of the other, there was a woman that was on fire or something.
1: There was, a, there was a woman that was on fire, which apparently was his mom from the Oh, it was his past. mom.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Apparently. So yeah. there is this there is this weird thing where it's like, so basically the person he mm. meets who is the woman on fire is supposed to be the sister of the aunt, which clearly is his mom. mom. But yeah. she's young, but she's about his age or younger than him. So apparently he meets the old version of her before she... Goes through a portal that leads to a past version of Tokyo from where he is born. So right. it's, there's something about the way that tower is supposed to represent a sort of like interdimensional space or something like that, where people can connect between dimensions or something like. So basically, right. he okay. does meet his mom. So mm. the woman on fire is his mom, which obviously like raises the question as to like was that fire in Tokyo just his mom spontaneously combusting?
0: No, uh, what was that? You know, I see. Okay. Um,
1: So, like, that was the thing that I couldn't quite understand. And, like, because the whole thing is so surreal, the question that becomes, like, is the woman on fire actually his mom, or does she even exist, or is that just another figment of his um, imagination that is supposed to help him reconcile the fact that his mom died in a fire? What does this really represent are these characters like actual things? Because if you think about just the characterization and the weird stuff that he keeps on meeting, they're just weird characters that he meets over and over in the plot. Like he meets like a past version, I think. I, I think she was supposed to be like the younger version of one of the old ladies that he was with.
0: Yes, no, you are you're right, because she's wearing the same Uh, outfit because she's wearing Mm. the same
1: outfit but she's like much younger and now she has like this like fire whip that helps her drive away like the pelicans and all of that and then the pelicans are just this spirit creatures that eats people before they are born and their souls are coming out of like it, it just there was just a lot of like supernatural stuff that was just like in the background unexplained mm. there was some flimsyish explanation for what was happening but obviously no one really went into it the boy himself didn't really seem that concerned either so it's not like he was asking any questions like you said it just seemed like he was going from one feverish fresco to the next
0: mm.
1: and and just thinking okay what's the connecting thread between any of this it's like he's desperately looking for something but we're, we're not quite sure what
0: yeah and um,
1: yeah. I mean it's and, I couldn't get mm. it <laughs> I think <laughs> anyway,
0: there's sorry. yeah I think there's a couple of things where, I mean I saw it in the Japanese dub, and I I don't know whether it would make more sense or maybe could follow it better if it was in the English dub. I'm not sure. On the other hand, is it a film that requires? a viewer to go back to and rewatch it now having been through the feverishness and and having some sense of where it's going because i know when we talked about the other miyazaki films in our episode i know i kept saying that one of the things i struggled with was when i watched something the first time i wasn't able to put together you know some of its elements mononoke was one um, yeah absolutely yeah you know Totoro Totoro was one but I'm not sure I I think even with those films there was still something that I held on to that I really enjoyed yeah. um, and with this I just I don't know to be honest it's been a couple of months since I've seen the film and very oh. little of it has really stayed with me other than yeah. those visually arresting moments where I can't even really reconstruct a lot of the arcs i don't can't remember what happened to the boy the only other thing that stood out to me was that i know at one point doesn't he get a bump on the head yeah <laughs> and so i was thinking is that is it like a a wizard of oz sort of dorothy style thing where really he's just like he's knocked out and this is just him hallucinating was, or having he's was... in a coma <laughs>
1: That's what I thought might be the thing because, mm. like, he doesn't even get a bump on the head. He bumps his own head.
0: Like, oh, I think right. he takes a
1: rock and, like, he smashes it to the oh, side. Oh, yes, his own yes, head. you're right. No, you're yeah. right. Yes, so, yeah. I was just wondering at the point, like, is all of this literally like an actual fever dream? I mean, there was a, clearly a point where he was having a fever. He was spiking mm, a fever mm, and they were mm, trying mm, to, like, mop him down. So it just felt like that's the only way I could reconcile the entire plot. Like, what we were watching was literally his fever dream. That's why it's so difficult for you to recollect what the arc was because the arc was very fucking chaotic. Mm. Like I tried my best to make sense of what I was watching. And a lot of the time I was just like, the only continuity to any of these scenes is that this character has moved from scene one to scene two. That's it. Like that's the only thing that is continuous about the narrative that I'm seeing. It's just that the same character is experiencing these things. But in terms of what he's doing, why he's doing it, what he's going for, what these other characters are, what their motivations are, None of that comes through. None of it is clear. And it just makes it really, really difficult to even try to understand what his end point is. Because at Mm. some point, I think he goes into like where the aunt is supposed to be in labor. And I think it was because, like, the idea was that the aunt had been taken, so he's here to rescue her, but she's supposed to be in labor, and he's trying to get out of the room, and yeah. she's screaming, you know, get out of here, I hate you, and blah, 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 and then all, like, the little pieces of paper, like, flying at him and all of that. And I'm just thinking, okay, I don't know what this scene is about, is this him trying to reconcile maybe, like, the difficulty with his aunt accepting him as, like, his son, or something, maybe when this new child is born? Like, I was trying to come up with literal metaphorical themes or what these things meant because those would make more sense if you're looking at it from the framework of a fever dream like dreams yeah, just have yeah. emotional themes rather than looking at the concreteness of what's going on right so but, that's how mm. I ended up trying to translate it because other than that I was like narratively I am not getting it
0: no i mean paradoxically i think the the nonsense of it would make sense uh, from the like you said the point of view of a coma or a fever dream because there's also an aspect of it If I remember rightly, you have this old man who is balancing things and he says, this is the the world or this is the reality and so on. Yeah. And so there's something about turning points or shattering moments in people's lives where yeah. you, know, you don't know what the, the new is going to be. And it exactly. felt very tangentially connected to his life in the sense that this was another mm-hmm. turning point in his life where something yeah. shattering had happened, the death of his mother, a new mother was coming in. He had to also and move away. a new away. child was coming in. Yeah, and and I think also, but this is so loosely tied in here, was the World War II context. And yeah. thinking about obviously that being a major turning point in Japanese history... And these are very loose sort of threads that yeah. I was trying, like you said, to pick out from this barrage of stuff. <laughs> I don't know you describe it as. Yeah. And a lot of it also seeming a barrage of things that made me think about other Miyazaki films. And then, you know, yes. it was watching the trailer, I'd be like, oh, that looks like, you know, um, Akitasha... Um, yeah, that looks like the scene in Spirited Away where all yeah. the paper is attacking the dragon. Ex- um, exactly. So, like, yeah, I have heard elsewhere, but I, I can't confirm or deny. You know, this is just what someone else said to me, that this was all meant to be some kind of metaphor for Miyazaki's career itself. That I, would make sense. Yeah, but I do That don't, would make a mm, lot of sense.
1: Mm-hmm. No, because I... I kept thinking there are so many animation tropes that I'm seeing hmm. in this film that I can connect to other films. Like, for instance, the thing with the window and the bird flying into it, it was in M. Ah,
0: yes, of course,
1: yeah. The thing with the window actually started from my neighbor, Totoro. Mm-hmm. Because there's always that scene where they're trying to, like, pull down the shutters of, like, a window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That happened in My Neighbor Totoro. That happened in M.R.E.R.T. The bird flying into the window definitely happened in M.R.E.R.T. Yes, so when I saw yeah. that scene happen again, I was just like, this has a callback to a different Miyazaki film. Mm-hmm. There, have been, there were so many little, like, things that were animation tropes that I could see. That I was like, okay, I can connect this. Like, for instance, the seven old women. One of those old women looked exactly like the old woman from My Neighbor Totoro.
0: Yeah, like the one yeah, with the yeah. like
1: with like the bump on her nose. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is exactly the same character design as that other old lady from my neighbor Totoro. And there's been this recurring thing about old women in Miyazaki films, including like Yubaba from Spirited Away Spirited or away. like the Witch of Waste from House Moving Castle and things like that. So this idea of like old women being a motif of whether that's like guidance or goodness or wickedness or and whatever, you'd have like this seven old women who just exist in the house, which of course the relationship to the aunt or to the father is not really explained. It just sort of exists there. But then I think they're also in some ways involved as being like guiding characters for this character, even though mm. not Quite explicitly, for instance, like the younger version of one of them is what saves him from being eaten by the pelicans. And then when he's lying down under the bed, like little totems of the other ones are kept around his body and things like that. So there is a sort of connectivity between a lot of the animated things I'm seeing in this and other Miyazaki films. And I was like, surely that cannot be a coincidence. So if there is this theory or trope that it's actually telling of Miyazaki's own career then in a sense, I can sort of understand it.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would say is I I don't know enough about the filmmaker in terms of his own, you know, his his autobiography or anything like that to really say how these things connect up. But like you said, yeah. there is there's lots of illusions also, you know, a parent being sick or of course missing, yes. yeah. having to move to the countryside. All which of these like in many you say. Films. Yeah. I mean a lot that seems to be a, a massive trope within his work, which I don't know whether that alludes to something in his own past. Mm. In terms of, you know, trying to think from a filmmaker's point of view about these collapsing worlds or trying to think about you know meaning or or whatever it is there's still for me at the moment a lack of clarity about that Uh, and that's the thing is that in order to appreciate it you'd have to know something about the filmmaker in which case what you're doing which the filmmaker is pulling the curtain back you know if if that's what it's about it's pulling the curtain back and you know this is telling my story I I think it's Mm. a bit I don't know I mean, for need of a better yeah. word, a bit wanky. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, how is how is this film for yeah. for anyone for anyone else? And that isn't the same as yeah. um, his other work. So that's just one thing I heard. I don't know the fullness of that interpretation, and all yeah. I can think is that maybe one day what we'll have to do, we'll give it a few
1: years, is maybe we'll do a nostalgia episode on the <laughs> Where we look back <laughs> on this film. <laughs> you know what, I think that would make sense because I feel like maybe this is one of those films for which a lot of its meaning is in its context. And if mm. you do not understand the context around which the film was made and of which certain decisions and features were put into the film, especially if we're thinking about it in relation to the filmmaker or any mm. of his, you know ideas or history or philosophy or something maybe a lot of that stuff is missing because if you are looking at the story purely from a narrative perspective it's absolutely unhinged like it's it's one of the most wacky films i've seen in my life i just
0: one of those crushing feelings where you really want it to work you really want to say (laughs) you know there is there's these layers here and there's there's more that's going on and and maybe we're just not seeing it maybe we've got to, also maybe we just let the film play out a bit longer and so on and so forth and i don't think it ever
1: successfully
0: lands no it never gets hmm. there
1: that's the exact sentiments that we got because you kept feeling like oh maybe there's something that is going to be revealed that would like s- stick this all together or like maybe we're just not quite getting it maybe there's something in the themes that we need to be a little more patient be- before we understand or something. That something. was what i was going through but like as more and more scenes kept coming up especially like when like the budgie people that were trying to eat him or like the captain commander parakeets that was saying that like, <laughs> he's done something Forbidden and he must be punished, and blah blah blah. And I was just like, okay, what is happening? Like,
0: no, and then, it, like, it didn't work, it didn't work,
1: it didn't work. And then, by the time you get to the end, and obviously, like, you know, he the dad takes them back to the house, and the film just ends with, Oh, we went back to Tokyo. I'm yeah, like, okay,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I think, I think this, I think this is one of those rare occasions where when you'd um text me to say oh we should talk about the film and stuff and i thought oh that's interesting because he said you know as you said at the beginning i have thoughts and i thought oh <laughs> well what emor's going to do is he's going to explain to me what i've missed no, about the film.
1: <laughs> no these are the thoughts i had <laughs> i had thoughts of what the fuck
0: I have to admit, I I wrote in my notes uh, just just as a way of of finishing, you know, what what I think about it. I wrote in my notes after the film, I said, is it just a bump on the head or is it some kind of Wizard of Oz via Miyazaki's Wonka multiverse thing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) honestly, I feel like... The only way I can explain this film now and what is going to be in my head canon until I read it again and maybe learn more context and maybe it will make some sort of greater meaning in terms of like love and loss and coping with grief (laughs) and like radical changes to the world. Like my head canon is like, honestly, this kid injured himself, gave himself some sort of sepsis and was in a fever dream for the rest of the film on the bed. And then when he finally came out of it was by the end of the film and only to realize that yeah the world had continued and you know his new baby brother cousin was born and <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, I got thinking about how weird that is like this your sibling is like your half brother but also your cousin it's weird oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, I think it's definitely one of those that let's let's give it a few years let's give it five more years or something like that and then and then we'll come back and we'll do a nostalgia hits differently (laughs) the boy and the heroine
1: (laughs) (laughs) because that like the whole thing was on crack yeah (laughs) like i remember like the heroine going like oh my god how did you know my weakness my tail feather was like (laughs) bitch what do you mean? What do you mean that your weakness is your tail feather? (laughs) If it's your weakness, then why the hell did you leave it and fly away? It's so insane. I was like, oh my God, like what even is this film? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, if I were to give it its merit, artistically, beautiful Miyazaki oh, yes. yeah knows no, no, how no, to no, animate no. at this point yeah. and what is really interesting about miyazaki's animation is that they still maintain a lot of the same old techniques so in many ways it ends up having a really stark resemblance to even some of the older films like hmm. kiki's delivery service or almost literally anything from the 90s or like the early 2000s you can put the film right beside those films and like from yes. the, from an animation yeah. standpoint it's so on brand, it's like yeah. it's instantly identifiable. The characters are designed in similar ways. The world, the coloring, the weirdness around like the magical realms, that whole continuous connection between like the mystical and the ordinary, that has always been a Miyazaki staple. Mm. It also remained through this film. So it had all the notes of what you extract from, from a Miyazaki film, except plotline coherence. Yes,
0: yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. I think artistically, if you are a fan of that aspect of Miyazaki, if you want to see weird, quirky designs and creatures, and and the score, I think is okay as well, and yeah. be swept up the in the score that, is
1: quite nice. Yeah, yeah,
0: then, and or if you know you want to put something on and and just be taken away into something that you're not really sure what it is, then fine. Yeah, but this is not the greatest or the most triumphant piece of Miyazaki's work and no. I, I'm glad to hear there was a lot of rumours going around this was his last film and okay. um, I mean, I think, though, in the last probably 10 years, that's what people have been saying. Like, oh, he's, you know, mm. this, this is his life. The Wind the Rises was meant to be his last film. This is meant to be his yeah. last film. I don't yeah. think from what else I've heard, I don't think he is planning to stop. And in a way, I kind mm. of hope he isn't. So you can at least go and do one more that is Won't much be better guys. than this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, you cannot, you cannot end on this note. Sorry, the person who gave no. me house. house Moving castle cannot end on this. Like Carl's no, exactly. was brilliant. You know, like yeah. I mean there are films that Miyazaki has done that, like wow like yeah. Chef's no. kiss. Like this yeah. this is just fantastic.
0: But, like I say, you, you cannot I don't think anything from this should be taken away because not everyone likes every one of his films. You know, and yeah, I think which I think that's fine. fair to say. Yeah. Or anything that's come out of Studio Ghibli, there are some bum notes as well as some real high yeah. points. Um but, yeah. and this is I have to at the moment I have to say this is a bum note. You know, yeah, really. this is
1: it's not giving anything. <laughs> it's it's maybe giving confusion. <laughs> it's giving plotline chaos. But it's not giving us anything of note. No. No. Knowing what I know now, like, if I had been given fair warning, I'd have been like, just, yeah, let's just skip this. Let's just preserve, like, the good memory of this man in my brain because this... <laughs> This film made me come out thinking, like, why why did you do this? But like I said, maybe there's something that we're missing and we are just too dumb. We are not like appreciating the artistic brilliance or like the subtext that he's doing. Maybe we are just that pedestrian and basic, not to be able to understand what he's trying to say. Which of course we maybe (laughs) we will be able to review this in five years' time. I'd be like, Yeah, we were dumbasses back in 2024. But like honestly, at this very moment as I speak, no. Yeah, (laughs) That's all I have to say. Yeah, no, same here. Same here. No. Oh God, I feel almost bad about that because I do love Miyazaki and the fact that I Mm. just have to be balls to the wall just roasting this shit doesn't feel great. But I mean, if you want to watch the English dub and listen to Robert Pattinson's absolutely insane voice acting for The Heron, by all means, because that was a trip. (laughs) But like... (laughs) That was an actual trip. But if you want a film that feels like you are immersed in something that, like, gives you something, then please don't do this one. Like, this was, like, no. two hours of what?
0: Yeah. No, no, no. No. It, it's not a journey worth taking. And like you said, I've I'd, no. I'd forgotten that, actually. It is a long film. It is a long film to sit there for, you know, as you said, for two hours in the midst of confusion. So... Even if you're a fan of Ghibli and you're a fan of Miyazaki, I can't say in good conscience that I think you should you should watch this film. <laughs> please. No, 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 please, no. like, all right,
1: <laughs> all right. So we we are just gonna end it there because honestly, like, I don't think I have anything else to say. No, exactly. me neither. It's almost like I just needed to get this off my chest. Because... <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: been
1: it's been therapy.
0: It's been therapy. It's
1: it's been therapy. Like this this episode has just been my. <laughs> talk therapy honestly god <laughs> ho. we'll see you next week <laughs> we'll see you next week <laughs> no honestly bye <laughs>